Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales ops onto the show to deconstruct the what, why, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by Ebster, a revenue intelligence platform used to identify risk in the pipeline and score customer engagement, and is sponsored by the Global Sales Operations Association and the UK Revenue Operations Network. Hello, and welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Lance Thompson, who is currently the technical sales operations manager at CCAL. Lance, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tom. And I must also, of course, introduce my beautiful co-host, Alex, who's here to ask the, the, the more technical questions. Uh, daunting being called beautiful by you, Tom. <laughs> Lance, let's get straight into this. I want to understand how you entered into the world of sales operations. Yep. Uh, do, you, do you want the, the story from the beginning? Or the condensed version? Let, let's go from yeah. the beginning, and, I, and I'll jump in if it's if it's too uh, non-condensed. <laughs> okay. yep, uh, coming coming out of college in the, the dot com era, my my first role was uh, as a a sales coordinator, and one of the main things I had to do within that role was become an expert on the CRM system we had at the time. Uh, probably nobody's heard of it. It was called Maximizer. It was the '90s, and it it didn't work very well, but uh, is getting in getting into that role, really understanding how how that works and how to get information out of it, is kind of how I I first got got a foothold in my first job, uh, being able to to show show the marketing team and the sales team what was working and what wasn't right away, kind of then got me promoted at the time into a marketing events role, and so so from from there we we went through a, a, a buyout. And it failed. The dot com crashed, and eventually we were all laid off. And uh, with marketing experience at the time, uh, the the market wasn't wasn't very good for somebody just barely out of college to get into marketing. And so, kind of pivoted over to sales because that's where the opportunities were. And then uh, ended up doing that for a solid dozen years uh, at various different SaaS companies. Enjoyed it for a while, but eventually I was getting burned out as. Uh, I, w- I was going to places that start off in kind of a consultative, consultative sales process, but uh, would eventually just try to get one call closes where you're just calling people and trying to get them to sign up whether they're a fit or not. And so when, uh, you know, fa- fast forward to 2013, 
when I left left the last sales job, uh, was thinking of getting into something else. And my my wife was a Salesforce administrator and sales operations person at the time, and thought that I'd be interested in becoming a Salesforce administrator. And so so looked looked into it, and you know, I liked the analytical side of it. Uh, took took the week the class that's a week long from them, and studied up on the architecture. I'd already used it as a sales rep, and uh, a lot of times I'd, I'd have territories that weren't that strong, and so I got pretty savvy in reports just to find people to call all the time. And uh, you know, studied up for the certification, and then right as I passed that, uh, had an opportunity opportunity to join Impinge as as their first sales operations or the, the first sales administrator that's full time, but part of the sales operations team. And so at the time, we were about a hundred people there, and we were able able to grow and uh, go through an IPO. And being part of the sales operations team, you're basically right in the thick of the thick of the business. And so every everything I was setting up, uh, you know, was was to make make things easier for the for the sales team, but also also had had in mind how you're setting up the reporting structure for the entire company. And and as companies as companies get bigger, that that Salesforce admin function eventually kind of moves to the IT team. And so there's always the balance of whether you whether you kind of move over to IT and are just uh, responding to tickets, developing things, uh, and kind of doing sales, Salesforce admin stuff full time, or whether whether it kind of you stay with the sales operations side and are doing some some of the sales sales admin stuff as well as all the other things that go into sales ops. And uh, so then I was approached by Scott Franklin over at Igneous. And this was basically right at the time they were starting uh, the sales operation after three years of being stealth. And I really liked the opportunity to come in and uh, start things from the beginning. That at, at a company that big, uh, you're not just doing the the sales Salesforce administrator things. You're basically doing all of sales operations. So, so it's more well rounded. And and uh, so so from there, we basically got to set up the processes straight from the beginning. Work closely. With marketing, uh, on you know lead lead scoring, uh, everything through the entire process from uh, acquisition of of somebody who hears who you are all the way through to, to sales and having a lifelong customer, and uh, I I really like like how well rounded that is, and I really like being uh, at small companies, and so so that's kind of where where my career has gone, and then most 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 recently, I think uh, we. Uh, di- didn't didn't quite make it far enough at Igneous, and so so that the company shut down. Uh, but then, right right as that was happening, uh, it was being reached out to uh, by uh, Ed, who uh, was was one of the the people early on who helped bring me into Igneous. Uh, he's now over at Seekout as the customer success manager, and uh, they have a, a similar role. They're further along than we were uh, at Igneous. Uh, they're they're probably a year or two ahead, uh, but they they they've had had success and they're right in a period of growth. Uh, they have a lot of systems they've tied, they've kind of uh, set up, but haven't really tied together to to get the full reporting structure all the way across. And so, so they basically brought me in to help uh, combine combine all the systems together to get the reporting in check and get the processes in check uh, as we kind of go through the next phase there. 
and I've been there about a month and a half and uh, there's a lot to do, but it's a, a great challenge and looking forward to it. Alance's story. Thank you for the, um, for the, the journey that you, that you've been on. I thought it was quite interesting. The, the, the lack of uh, opportunities in marketing drove you over to sales, which, um, I, I think it's probably a good thing in the long term. Um, talking about the systems you've been brought in to, to manage, could you quickly, just for the benefit of the audience, just list out uh, the core parts of the tech stack that you guys are currently running? Okay. Uh, on the, the marketing side, we start with HubSpot, uh, and that, that feeds, feeds into to Salesforce. Uh, we have uh, Intercom for, for chat. Uh, we're starting to implement a plan hat as well for uh, customer success stats. Uh, and we're, we're also kind of partway through uh, implementing SaaS optics uh, and also just started implementing Zendesk as well. And then uh, the uh, SDR and sales team also uses outreach uh, as, as part, of, part of their sales process as well. Got it. And... Then also, just so we understand the structure of the sales team, how many reps, how many people in the sales ops function, um, just so we have a, a better understanding of the, the sales landscape at Seekout. Okay. Uh, on the, the sales side, I don't, I don't know if I can get in, into exact numbers, but it's, it's around like uh, 12, 12 to 25 people. And uh, we have a couple people in sales ops, and uh, there's about four or five people in marketing. Awesome. And, and the other person in sales ops, are they uh, like, do, do you manage them or are they, do they manage you? Well, what, what is their role? Uh, I, 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 ma- I manage somebody who uh, is, is really, really great at analysis. Uh, he's a couple years out of college, but has, has a bright future. And he, he's, been, he's been running a lot of numbers uh, all over the place, doing a lot of analysis and doing a great job. Amazing. Should, should we give him a quick shout out? What's his name? Oh, yeah. Uh, his name is Michael Cripps. Shout out to Michael, doing some great analysis. Um, we, I, I, I'm going to pick up a, a question here that we found actually mentioned on your on your LinkedIn profile. So at Impinge, you talk about the, the multiple different software packages and kind of uh, supposedly streamlining them together um, to add value to the business. What... Was there a specific tool there that did work particularly well, or was it a combination of tools that that added that value? Could you share a bit of, a bit more about that experience? Uh, it, it was a, a combination of tools. Uh, the, their instance started started in two thousand eight, and so there were a lot of things already there. They were they were one of the first people to implement Steelbrick, uh, which is now the CPQ uh, sales function, and so it, it worked worked pretty well. But it was it was uh, so far, uh, so far before what the CPQ is now that we had to, uh, a lot of things we added uh, by hand or or uh, customized were things that they added on later, and so so it's kind of a different version than, than what we had had before. Uh, we uh, we Im- implemented Clary there, uh, which uh, we, we were pretty early in implementing that as well. But that that was great for forecasting, and that that does a, a better job in Salesforce of getting historical information of. Getting snapshots along the way, and uh, the, especially all the, all the executives would geek out at how easy it was to create dashboards in it. So, so that was pretty handy. 
uh, I, I implemented exactly. Uh, it was kind of the first project I was thrown when I got there, uh, which is, is handy for uh, tracking compensation software. Uh, our, our process became a beast as, as we grew. And the, one, one thing I learned there was to, to better... That I, I could have managed, managed that better there to create better processes. Because the, the process when it started of you know, uh, calculating five plans for 30 people didn't work as well when, when it was like 15 plans for 75 people. Uh, we basically let too much complexity build in over time uh, rather than kind of s- stop that complexity as it went. And there were, uh, it worked, worked well overall. There were just too many, too many rooms for errors in the, or too many places where you can make an error along the way uh, in, in that whole process we had there. Awesome. Touching or going back to the forecasting point you mentioned, um, do you think it is possible or or how possible is it to create a truly accurate forecast? (laughs) It's a great question. It's it's something you always have to to hone in. Uh, You you have the forecast, you start with the basic assumptions of uh, these are the the probabilities uh, at these stages. And uh, the, you really see sales managers get really good at asking the right questions. Of uh, you, you, you're really confident on this deal, but uh, what are the steps that that you've taken and haven't taken yet uh, in the, the deals that we've closed? Usually, at this point, we've already involved decision makers uh, or procurement or anybody like that. What what are the steps that are missing? And and then as we as we got into the more challenges of the, this last year. Uh, you you also had to adjust uh, what what are the steps that are now in place now this year that weren't in place last year uh, is is there now the the CFO is going to come in and be a final decision maker where in a normal year he's not and so it's I, I I'd say it's always a, a constant battle to make make sure you're asking the right questions looking at the right factors and uh, always reevaluating all all the assumptions you're making along the way to, to be accurate on those forecasts. And just to follow up, how, how, do, you, how do you handle the, the different stakeholders? How do you sort of make sure that the right people on the deal, have you had sort of plans and processes to, to ensure people are keeping that, you know, the account reach out broad? Yeah, that, that's, that, that, that's a great question. Uh, you, you, you always have to, to make sure that uh, you're, you're learn, learning from what from what you do and kind of re- reviewing both when things went well and and things went bad uh, whether whether that's uh, speaking with the, the sales managers about uh, how how they came to, to their conclusions and what what questions we all asked along the way uh, and then then it, it's also lear- learning from the deals that that did do well uh, to say uh, what what was the what was the piece in in this deal that led us to know when it was going to close uh, know the key steps, uh, anticipate uh, things we didn't think of along the way, and so so I'd say it's it's basically always asking asking the questions and following up on those. Yeah, it makes sense. I I certainly know I, as a tile I've I've created in sort of one of our our demo environments to show engagement with different stakeholders via contact roles, and everyone loves it. But the reality is, no one uses contact roles properly. <laughs> so um, yep. it's how you know how we how we can do that in different ways. But it's I just wondered if there was any you had any kind of insight there because I, I know that's something almost everyone I talk to they they struggle to kind of capture that information in the way they yeah. like. 
Uh, luckily, luckily, Salesforce is finally allowing you to to do more automation with contact roles. So, so now, now you can set you can set the contact roles directly on the opportunity and kind of use Process Builder and Flow to to kick them off to the contact roles and do the same if if you add the contact roles. Then, if you have a corresponding field on the opportunity, to put them there as well. So, so that's 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 something I, had, I just set up recently at another company as well. Awesome. Now, I, I believe that you're at that stage of the end or the beginning of the next fiscal year where you're deciding on KPIs to track. Mm-hmm. Could you, if possible, um, share a couple of those that you're considering uh, focusing on for the next fiscal year? Yeah. Uh, we, yeah, we're a couple of ways away from our SKO at, at this point. So, so we, haven't, we haven't done a deep dive into those, but the, the key, key ones we're tracking so far are the uh, annual re- Annual revenue, or the ARR, uh, that's that's kind of the, the main one. Uh, we look we look closely at churn as well uh, to to make sure that we're keep, keeping that as as low as possible. Uh, and as as part of this, uh, we 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 look we're looking at segments as well. As uh, uh, the the seek, seek out product is is uh, useful for both really large companies as well as small recruiters. Uh, but those, those businesses act differently along the way. And so, so we're looking closely at different segments for like recruiter, SMB, uh, mid-market, uh, as well as enterprise uh, in everything we're looking at as well. And, and so we'll be kind of take, taking a close dive into those. And then al- along the journey, the, we'll, we'll be looking closely at the KPIs of you know how many leads we're creating, how many of those are converting. Uh, you know what, if if we're getting stuck in certain places, uh, what what the what the net retention rate is for our existing customers, uh, how much expansion uh, do we get? Making sure that we're always getting more more expansions than than downturns and, and loss and things like that. So I think those are those are the main things that we're going to be focusing on. Awesome, and then uh. Second, or our penultimate question is, um, who in the world of sales operations, or actually not in the world of sales operations, has taught you the most? So they don't have to be from sales ops, they could be from some other field, but um, taught you the most about sales operations, I should add as well. The most about sales operations. Uh, I'd, I'd say the most about sales operations was, was probably Alex Long. Uh, he, he, was, he was my one of the directors I had when, when I was at Impinge. And he he really really focuses focuses in a lot on strategy and uh, he, he he's he has a, a broad range of experience. He came from being a tech support person to uh, getting into sales uh, and then operations and strategy. So so he has a lot of perspective uh, across the business, both in uh, working people as well as uh, general business strategy and things like that. And so. It's definitely learned a lot from him, and he's always a person that really focuses focuses a lot on career development as he goes along, kind of more so than others I've seen. You know, usually usually you're kind of focused on the task at hand when you're speaking. He's always thinking ahead to what's going on in your career and where you want to go, and so he was usually thinking about it more than I was. Awesome, and then finally, who? Uh, in the world of sales ops, would you most like to take for lunch? 
Yeah, there, there's a, a lot of people you could take for lunch. Uh, usually, I'm, I'm taking my wife for lunch. Is, uh, she, she, has, she was in sales and, and marketing operations long before I was. And she's kind of transitioned out to be more of a technical writer now. But because she has all that experience, most of her, uh, a lot of her clients are in that space. And so she's still closely involved in it. Can we, can we give a quick shout out to the wife? Oh, yep. Uh, she's Kamala Thompson. Shout out to Kamala. Amazing. That was, um, thank you for, for sharing so much about the, the current operation and about previous operations, Lance. Um, I think it was a, an eye-opening session. Um, interestingly, the first person we've had on with the word technical in their, in their sales off job title. And I, and I think I wasn't 100% sure pre-interview what that really meant, but I think during the past 20 minutes or so, it, it makes more sense that the distinction between someone who would be in technical sales operations. I, actually, actually, this can be a final question we can put to you, Lance. Did, what would you say is the core differentiator of someone who, who is in technical sales operations versus just normal sales operations? Well, I, I'd, I'd say, and I kind of kind of saw this as, as uh, some, something that as I was starting to, to look for a job, uh, no, noticed is, is common for early, early companies. Uh, they they need somebody with both the experience to to set up the business operations, but also the ability to kind of go in and do the do the technical work within the systems to tie everything together. And so I think think that's where it came from. Uh, honestly, we we didn't talk title too much, so I don't even know what my exact title is. Uh, that was just one of the things I saw at one point. So when I had to put a title down, that's what I wrote down. Yeah, so, yeah, fair enough. Um, so it it. it could be my title. That makes total sense, though. The um, that early stage where you might not have a dedicated Salesforce admin, you may need the sales person, sales ops person to actually go in and do the stuff. So that makes total sense. Lance, thank you so much for giving us your time today. Hey, thanks for having me on. It was great to be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales Ops Demystified Podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.